The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Okay, I have just been corrected by the producer. I cannot allow you five minutes uninterrupted, so it's going to be three minutes uninterrupted. Of course, these are men I know quite well. Bagram used to be my employer, Tabila Sokupa. We were at Varsity together. Andy Lenomlala, we served in the BMF together. None of them, absolutely none of them ever call me. For me to talk to them, I have to bring them on air on SAFM. Tragic. Good evening, Bags. Hi, good evening. I'm sorry that I don't call you. Not trying to diss you in any way. And Songeza and I have been great friends for many years now. So thank you very much for having me. The reality is that the president did a fantastic job last night. I think uh, most people in South Africa, or if not all, uh, think what he said was absolutely needed. Uh, what he said was correct. And in essence, it was the only thing that any normal person could do for our country and that is to start helping the very poor and to start distributing the money. Now, you will recall that when the president first announced the lockdown, he announced that there would be special funding for uh, people who are not going to earn their salaries, and he announced a whole lot of structures. Now, of course, I'm wearing my labor law cap, and so I must focus on that. And the reality is that what he did then was fantastic, and everyone applauded. The problem is the devil is in the detail. And as soon as that was said, we started expecting that the structures would be put in place. Uh, Obviously, the ministers in the cabinet had all fed back to the president and said that they were capable of doing what he had asked them to do. And lo and behold, and I knew it was going to happen, and I was asking, in fact, beforehand, why aren't we ready to actually distribute the money the minister said he was ready. The DG said he was ready. The UIF was all poised, ready to go, and it didn't happen. Uh, people weren't able to get onto the, the hotlines. They weren't able to get onto the um, various email systems that were in place. None of the emergency numbers worked. They closed down their offices. It was absolutely tragic what took place. And, in fact, it led me to put out a statement attacking the UIF and saying this is ridiculous They are going to have to, at the end of the day, hand it over to the uh, revenue services to be able to hand out the money. And and the minister said, no, they're going to do it. They're very good at doing it. Well, it didn't happen. And monies did start trickling through. But, in fact, people who were already on UIF from before the COVID-19 issue uh, weren't getting their monies at the end of March. And it it was tragic. I was getting calls from people, WhatsApps and emails, literally hundreds uh, in that first week um, to say they just didn't get paid. And then we were starting to get some money coming through to the employers um, and lump sums come to an employer and say, this is to be distributed to your staff as the TERS, the special TERS um, Mm. amount that had to be paid, but no accounting. So how? who do you know what you're going to give what to? It's absolutely impossible, and people are still saying, the monies are coming through, some some trickle, but not, not great. I think it's a, probably about 5 or 6% of the claimants uh, is going through. The UAF are saying they, um, a lot of them were wrong and incorrect. It was an impossible form to fill in uh, in the first place. And those monies are now sitting in some of the firms where they don't even know how to give the money out to the staff because they don't know how much uh, to give people. You can't give people a 1,000 rand and then on the next day say, sorry, the UIF said, no, you're only entitled to 800, so give me 200 back. You can't do that. Mm. 
And so they're sitting with the money in their accounts. We're coming to the end of April. It's coming to payday, and people are starving. And what do we do? We're not getting that money through. The light at the end of the tunnel is that yesterday, the Minister Tulas and Kezia, Employment and Labour, agreed that it would go through to the Revenue Service, and they would handle the administration of paying the money out. So thank God we've got that, and thank God that's going through. But again, I'm hoping that what uh, our president said last night will now be carried through by his ministers. I'm hoping that we're not going to have the devil in the detail again, uh, because the president means good. He means to have the money spread out. Okay, bags. To the people. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mr. Michael Bagram. Those are his preliminary plur- preliminary thoughts on the president's address from last night. Let's go to Dr. Tabileso Cooper, who is the director for special projects at the University of the Western Cape, specifically in the office of the DVC for research and innovation. Tabile, good evening. Thanks for your time. Good evening, Songezo, and uh, good evening to the SAFM listeners. Mm. I think uh, we should commend, first of all, the president for the uh, sterling announcement within the social relief package of the 500 billion. But particular, what's fascinating for me is the 50 billion that has been announced in particular that is targeting at the unemployed as well as the current grant beneficiaries. And just to touch base uh, perhaps to some of the listeners who might not have the detail in terms of the 50 billion, um, part of the 50 billion would be uh, the 300 rand, obviously, that is going to be a top-up towards the child support grant. That will then uh, constitute to 500 rand from June up until October. But also, I think what is commendable is also the 250 rand that has been uh, going to be a top-up for the other um, uh, grant recipients. But also, I think that what is quite important out of this is the other percentage, which is about 38% of the unemployed, who will from uh, from now on uh, in the next six months benefit out of the 350 rand per month uh, towards the social relief. Some might ask, therefore, that uh, what is 350? But really, 350 uh, to someone who has not had an opportunity in terms of access to employment, who has been in the periphery, could in some way be a start mm. towards coming into the formal economy or to be able to uh, be the, 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 the decider of the destiny that they are striving towards. And also, I think, uh, within the business sector itself, uh, if you're looking in, in terms of the business confidence, I think that uh, $50 billion that the government has uh, allocated in terms of social relief could also, in my humble of opinion, uh, create uh, supply and demand within the economy that is at the moment at distress. And therefore, in terms of um, consumer confidence, but also in terms of supply confidence in terms of business, they will benefit tremendously, in particular your local spas shops as well as your local corner shops. And therefore, for me, 
um, as an analyst within this field. I think this is quite a commendable suggestion that the, the, that the government has put in place, and we are hoping that to, this is only the start of what would be surely be uh, a social safety net for those who are the most destitute of our society. Excellent. Tabula, appreciate your very succinct remarks. We're going to continue now with Mr. Andy Lenomlala, president of the BMF. Ace, good evening. Thanks for your time, Nopul. Uh, yes, sir. Thanks for, for having me, and let me greet my fellow panelists and your listeners. Uh, we have uh, Khadabe, issued out a statement this afternoon. Yes. As the BMF uh, commending and lauding the leadership of uh, President Cyril and his cabinet in trying to make sure that uh, we are uh, at least getting somewhere with some of the reliefs and the economic uh, direction we are taking. As the BMF, uh, if you would recall, we had lauded him uh, at the very beginning when he uh, announced the lockdown. In fact, we still want to make an impassionate plea to our people to say that it is proper and correct that they must still remain uh, under the lockdown. And at that call that we made, we also announced that it would be ideal for, for the government to consider a trillion rand stimulus package. And we believe that the 500 billion plus the original uh, other measures that were, uh, were introduced have come closer to that figure. And I believe that over time, as the economy is going to have to survive or come out of the situation that is in, we will get to a stimulus package closer to about a trillion rands to about 1.5 billion. So as the BMF, we, we believe and recommend that the president has done the most proper and the most appropriate thing ever in, in our country at this juncture. And we call upon the South African Reserve Bank, of which uh, they have also uh, committed and have done a commendable amount of work in trying to give liquidity to our economy. But we believe that uh, the Reserve Bank hasn't stretched itself hard enough. We we still want to see them uh, doing more, particularly in the quantitative easing uh, side of things. Uh, we see that there is a possibility that, of course, we must go raise capital in other institutions, particularly the international institutions. And I have seen the IMF announcement uh, earlier today of the packages that they've created. It sounds like it's not as bad as we were anticipating because it's an interest-free loan and it's a dollar-denominated loan, which could go a long way considering our currency levels at the moment. So we believe that our government must uh, explore and actually try to access as many avenues as possible to make sure that we are able to receive the cash we need. Quite important, as well, which is highly commendable, is that we believe that, as the BMF, that the most critical and the most important thing that the government has done, and we hope that, uh, contrary to what is usually the case, we can see the remnants and the, the elements of uh, some scrupulous people, as the president called them, who are now starting to steal, mm, mm, for heaven's mm, sake, mm. The, the loaves of bread that are supposed to be distributed to the poor. We hope, and as the BMF, we put ourselves forward to assist government with our membership to make sure that the 
distribution of those resources, particularly the food and other financial resources to our communities where our members exist, we can assist at no cost. We can assist with our skills and expertise as the black professionals of this country. Fantastic. Andilano Mlala has given us his thoughts. Before him, Dr. Tabilesa Kupa, So Kupa, I beg your pardon, Director for Strategic Projects in the office of the DVC at UWC. Michael Bagram is no stranger to the show. So here's what I propose to do, ladies and gentlemen who are at home. Please do send us your thoughts. Ideally, let us take voice notes because voice notes are so much more efficient than phone calls. Voice notes. 0614-104-107. I'm not punting for calls deliberately. Let's get voice notes in, please. Your name, to whom your question is directed, Bags, Sokupa, or Nomlala, and then be very brief, please. 40 seconds. We've got them for the balance of the hour, so I'm using the voice note facility for the purposes of getting as many thoughts in as possible. Essentially, Michael Bagram's as is Tabile and as are Tabile and Andila are in agreement that the president has done well with what limited options he might have had. They are especially happy that those who are vulnerable as opposed to nothing have been given some form of leg up. Of course it has been widely criticized asking I mean people asking questions as to whether or not even three fifty is sufficient. Well three fifty is something, nothing is nothing and as at that point where the announcement was made, all of those people who will now be getting 354 instance had nothing. The child support grant was less, 300, and will be in time less, 800. So the question really is, what of what the president has said do you still now think is missing the detail that Michael Bagram refers to? The fact that he laments the lack of coordination between the announcements and government systems and UIF not necessarily being ready to to distribute the money or is it sitting in businesses who don't know how to distribute the money. So when you talk about detail and coordination of government, these are the things that can really derail these plans by the government. Tabitha Sokopa, very happy as well, largely complimentary, especially from the perspective of local economic development in those far-flung marginalized spaces in that the stimulus packages, let's, let's call it that, will be able to circulate within those businesses because those persons who are unemployed are indigent on the periphery are there, will be able to use that money immediately to sort of boost economic activity in those areas that are now very much hamstrung to do anything. Andy Lanonola specifically talking about largely happy the stimulus package that they wanted initially was about tri- a trillion bucks. With this 500 billion and the measures before, it's closer to that. So more than not, he's happy. Equally, there's work for the South African Reserve Bank. He mentioned quantitative easing, and this is essentially where the monetary policy by the central bank buying government bonds or other financial assets in order to inject money into the economy to expand economic activity. I had to Google that. I didn't know, so don't feel uneasy if you didn't know what quantitative easing was. So basically from that, we've got these very strong points, Okay, which is great. They all agree with the president. But let's come back to you now, Andile. So I'm going to do the reverse of Bergs. You might just have to wait a little bit longer. This is equally an opportunity, and I would imagine BMF has got a strong interest in that. I don't dismiss what you've said in terms of what the SARB could do and how corruption is absolutely going to derail this program at a time where we least need corruption as a society. Having said that, this is an opportunity to reboot South Africa's system the structure of our economy and its concentration and distribute, if you will, the strength of our economy to those now who are really feeling it and who are essential for its recovery. How then, from a transformation perspective, do you propose with the conditions and the framework that has been set by the president, we could better yield those returns that for the longest time you've been advocating for? 
Uh, thank you, Songkas. It's actually a point that I missed in my original input. Uh, the, the president has made it very clear, I, 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 and I want to quote him that when he says that our, we are now going to be building a new economy, and I quote, our new economy must be founded on fairness, empowerment, justice, and equality, close quote. Mm. Uh, this is the time, as long as that we have all been given as as a country, uh, particularly, of course, it comes out of a sad situation sure. that we are now on reset, Songhezo. So any start must start from a word go that we would be considerate and be mindful of the inclusive nature of our economy going forward. And there are many measures. The president is talking about the reindustrialization of our economy. We can talk about import substitution. We can talk about many other interventions, including the the uh, accelerated spend in the public infrastructure mm. program. All of those measures must come first and foremost from the beginning to be considerate of what type of businesses will be given those opportunities. Are those businesses black? Owned? Are they having black ownership? There has, there must be no space and era again in our country where a certain grouping, which we know, by the way, that their balance sheet would stand and would stand the test of time. And when it comes post the COVID era, they would have much capital and much resources in their arsenal to be able to take and at a close to nothing the distressed assets that you would find, and they can still consolidate their. Uh, advantage in the economy if our government and our own regulation and policies are not deliberate and are directing all the new rebuilding uh, paths to black businesses. And us as black entrepreneurs and black professionals, we must ready ourselves to seize these opportunities in support, uh, with the support of our government, with the support of the financial institutions that you find in our country. We must also be ready to seize the opportunity so that we can accelerate the rebuilding of our economy quicker on a transformed path. And the last point that I want to bring, uh, which is critical, is that as a country, we have been given an opportunity this time around to rethink even the exposure that we had at the social level and at the socio-economic level is that we have now realized that it's no longer possible and plausible and acceptable to build an economy that is excluding the masses of our people. The poverty levels that our people are exposed to is not necessary, and we must, as all citizens, labor, business, and government, focus on making sure that as we lift this time around, we bring everybody else up. We must end poverty. We must end inequality. We must end uh, human, uh, women exclusion in our economy. We must have a formidable approach that will give us an opportunity to build a conducive society for all our people. Excellent. Nopula, thank you so much for those very thorough thoughts on your part. Dr. Sokupa, let's talk about now, in a, in a way, what Andile refers to as inclusivity. This is essentially what this um, 50 billion rand is directed to achieve, directed towards relieving the plight of the unemployed and the current grant beneficiaries through a multi-pronged approach. What is the danger of increasing the child support grant 
by an extra 300 now in May and for the balance of the time 500 rand, an extra 250 for all other grant recipients. And 350 to those persons who don't qualify for grants are looking for work but cannot find it, getting 350 rand. The expectation that that will create, let's say, a silver bullet, everything goes back to normal in December of 2020, those monies have to be retracted unless something different will be said by the president tomorrow or on any other announcement subsequent. Can you tell us what that might create in society, the expectation and the taking away of this interim measure? Indeed, Songezo, I should indicate that uh, the social relief is only interim in its nature because the expectation is that it will go from now on until until October. However, as government has already indicated that this social relief program will be reviewed and my expectation is that within the six months, we could have analysis in terms of what has been the cost benefit of the social relief uh, to those who are in distress and to those who are in the periphery. Mm. Because one thing that is certain is that we cannot uh, address uh, inequality and poverty, as my previous uh, uh, um, you know, guest speaker was indicating, if we do not take bold decisions. And I think that the government decision that it has taken in terms of cushioning the social um, safety net for those who are in the periphery is a good start. However, I think beyond that, we then need to discuss what are the mechanisms that we really need to take Mm. in order to make sure that those who are unemployed those who are still um, in terms of beneficiary, in terms of social grants, live above the basic uh, living wage. And that is the real crux of the matter, because currently we are the most unequal society in the world. Mm, mm. And without addressing the issue of social access through poverty elevation programs, we will be stuck within the 38% unemployment And I think that my expectation is that as much as this is a six-month social relief, Mm. beyond the six months, government would be able or government should consider other alternatives in terms of how do we make sure that we cushion our most vulnerable members of society beyond the corona. Wonderful. Michael Bagram, you've been listening, and I'm sure you are licking your lips at the opportunity to answer that because it then does become a political question in terms of now that we have, to the extent that the government can, with what resources, what little resources it has, cushion for the next six months. Utabila says there have to be mechanisms that are now designed to engage these vulnerable persons from a social upliftment perspective. And of course, it ties into ultimately providing employment or a source of income. Well, Andy Lenomlala spoke about, for instance, the transformation of the South African economy, specifically talking about inclusivity, which is the last point Utabile raised. And for instance, he argued that public infrastructure rollout and mass rollout of things that can be consumed by the public in terms of just really making the country better for everybody to access. What would you propose? This is potentially political, but nonetheless, go into it, go hard. What should the government look to do beyond these measures to have a more sustained response to the effects of an economy in decline and a pandemic that has wreaked havoc on the continent and in the world over? 
Well, you're going to laugh when you hear me say that I tend to agree that we should have something what Kasatu suggested, and that is some sort of grant uh, for people. Um, I'm hoping that once these increases have been put on the table and for the six months that the president has promised, that the country can say, well, we can afford it. It hasn't killed us, and let's carry on and maybe give some more. Uh, we've got to start spreading some of that money out. We can't keep it in coffers and wait for a rainy day. Today is the rainy day. My problem is goes a little bit to another side. Yes. I know that the Department of Employment and Labor through UIF is about 150 billion rand um, in its coffers, and I know that the president said he's going to access some of that money. Um, I'm hoping that he leaves enough in there to be able to pay people their UIF, and it's an open question. I don't think anyone's answered that, and I don't think the actuaries have actually had a look to see if we've got actually enough money to pay the UIF into the future. Mm. The other thing is we know that when people go back to work, and we're hoping that will be soon, um, when they go back, people are going to start getting the virus at work. That means they're going to be claims against workman's compensation mm. because they're going to say it's a work-related injury. Someone coughed it on me while I was at my machine. I've now got the COVID-19. I've now got a workman's compensation claim. Now, you know workman's compensation is useless. Uh, they haven't been functional for the last 20 years. Where are they going to get the money and, and what's going to happen there? Also today, the minister, Tullis and Kesey, in a portfolio meeting of employment and labor, which I attended, said that he suspects that we'll lose about a million jobs. Uh, now, we're talking, that's, that's a horror story. Mm. If we're going to lose another million, we've already got 10.5 million unemployed, lose another million, and they're going to have to, that million they're going to have to draw then from the UIF as well, over and above the special fund that we put together, the TERS fund. I, I'm not sure whether this country actually can afford it. Where are we getting the money that the president, he, he said half a trillion rand, um, no one knows where we're actually getting that money from. Um, and we need to, like President Obama initially said, follow the money. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we don't go and get it from China. Um, and I don't know where. I mean, I know he's taken some of the money out of the budget and has to refashion that. But I'm not sure where we're going to get half a trillion rand from. And it's a worry for all of us in South Africa because, yes, we are the most unequal uh, society in the world. And we can't let people starve because then the whole society collapses. So we've got to start looking at ways of distributing what we do have, and hopefully our economy will bounce back. I have a deep-seated suspicion it's going to take many years to bounce back, and that's my problem. Fantastic. Gentlemen, please stay on the line. We're going to take a mandatory ad break now, after which I will play some one, two, three, four voice notes. And I do hope that, that those voice notes are d targeted in terms of asking the question to any one of Michael Bagram, Tabile Sokupa, or Andy Lenomlala. After the break, we go to our listeners and we engage further our guests. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Good evening, Sungezo. Sungezo, this is uh, One Africa from the Eastern Cape. The problem uh, with the president's speech is not about the money. The questions that we have as South Africans, ordinary South Africans, is where did the uh, president got the money? Is it a loan? Is it a grant? Is it support? Or is, uh, is the South African government supposed to pay the money back? 
those are the questions that we have the second question that we have is who is going to be report uh, responsible with that money who is going to ensure that the money has been distributed to various stakeholders considering that the anc has got a record of misuse of money look at our municipalities look at the record of the anc are we guaranteed that this money is going to be used properly and some few people anc people are not going to fill up their pockets with this money thank you very much good evening gentlemen thank you for a great show is the 350 rand covered grant is it for unemployed people that uh, don't have or have children thank you hey maswanga here from lipompo uh, i would like to get the clarity regarding the the child grant the the the, the, the 500 uh, amount there is it per child or is it per recipient good evening Sungis. anyone who believes that who believes the story the speech by ramaphosa that uh, they're gonna be serious about this radical economic transformation they might as well believe in a listening wonderland ANC is 25 years governing this country they've shown that they've got no interest in empowering african-owned businesses why now why would they suddenly start because there's this COVID 19 pandemic i mean really this is this is a serious joke anc doesn't believe in african people Excellent. Thank you so much for those voice notes. Please keep them coming. We might have time at the end of this particular round of responses to those questions to engage you further. Let me do this, and this is the proposal. The second and third voice notes about the structure of the grant system. Tabil, I'm going to allow you to please answer that. Specifically, the 350 grant for people with children or not. The 500 rand, is it per child or per whatever? Please respond to that. Tabile, that's up to you now first. After that, I'm going to ask Andile Nomlala, please, to respond to the question of radical economic transformation as we've just heard from the last voice notes that it's not happening the ANC has never had an interest on that and I'm sure you have your views as BMF in fact I know you do so please respond to that one and of course Michael Bagram after Andy Lenomlala please respond to where does the money come from the conditions of the money who's responsible for its oversight and making sure that it doesn't at all get to where it should not at all get in that order Tabile Andile Michael Bagram uh, based on the presidential uh, pronouncement yesterday, the 300 rand and subsequent 500 rand uh, uh, child support is going to be per child, not per household. Therefore, if you be having a child support grant for two, for example, um, children in terms of child support, each child will get an extra 300 rand. Uh, together with an extra 500 rand from June onwards. But also, I think, uh, to answer the other, the second caller, in terms of uh, the unemployed, the 350, uh, once again, based on the presidential speech, uh, and uh, what the president indicated is that the, the 350 is for all individuals uh, who do not get any social grants or UIF payment. Therefore, if you do not benefit in these two uh, support structure, you are unemployed, you do not get um, any grants, you do not benefit out of any UIF, then you would be eligible for the 2015. 
Fantastic. Thank Thanks for that. Appreciate that. Andila, your thoughts? Rec- radical economic transformation, this government. Uh, thank you, Songas. I think people must acknowledge, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the ANC on when I say this, we must acknowledge that there has been some progress made over the last 26 years. The only challenge we had about economic transformation is that it's not uh, uh, radical enough and it's not at a fast pace. So what we would do, I just came out of a meeting in the afternoon of the BBC Council, is that we will prepare a document, a comprehensive document that will inform uh, the government of the day, particularly the president and his cabinet, of what exactly do we want to see in the new changed radical economic transformation that the president himself is talking about. So I think for us to then throw the water, the the the, water, the baby with the bath water is not necessary at the moment. We might be despondent with some of the experiences, but as South Africans, particularly black business and black professionals, we can't then uh, be despondent indefinitely. We must pressure, and you would know that BMF, at the end of the day, BMF and the BBC will sit on top of the ANC government for as long as it's necessary for them realize the meaningful economic transformation we want to see. So I understand the sentiment that other people feel that the ANC hasn't done enough, but we mustn't behave as if the ANC hasn't done anything at all. The ANC government has done some things and has made some progress over the last 26 years, but we just need to push it and we must contribute ourselves with our own ideas. We can't leave it just to the politicians, the idea of what we want to see in the radical economic transformation. Short and sweet. Much appreciated. Thanks so much. Michael Bagram, you've got three minutes, after which you will be cut because we will go to an ad break. Please. Okay, where's the money coming from? Well, as I said earlier, I think some of it is going to come from the Department of Labor coffers. I think a lot of it is going to come from the restructure of the budget uh, which is also a good thing, and they've gone, they've revisited that. And then finally, as you know, the Public Service and Administration Minister next Tuesday mm-hmm. is meeting with the Public Service, and he's not going to, he's not going to let the increase, hopefully, he won't let the increase go through. And there's a lot of money as well. I am hoping we don't get it from China, um, but then who knows? So I, I, you know, I'm merely guessing over here. Uh, what's more important is that once we have the money, and one of the uh, voice notes said, what about the distribution? Is it going to be stolen? Are the politicians going to steal it? Mm. I don't think so. I think we've already seen now what's happened with the Department of Employment and Labor. They've been forced to go to SARS and to have the distribution done through SARS. Now, you can't get a more credible agency than the South African Revenue Service uh, they, they, uh, Mr. Kisweta is running a fantastic agency, and if he gets to distribute this money, that's fantastic. I was about to um, say Nugent um, and Cuts uh, might. I was about to say Nugent and Cuts might have had different perspectives on the SARS that they were looking into. Yeah, they possibly were, but I think SARS is is the is the right agency to distribute. They have very careful systems. And I don't think they're going to allow a penny to drop on the floor. I don't think that's going to be allowed. So I don't think that's our problem. Our problem is, where did we get the money? Do we owe people? Do we have to pay them back? We lent money from, uh, um, we borrowed money from uh, China for ESCOM. I don't know how we're going to ever pay it back. 
Um, who knows where we're going on that one. So thank you for listening to me. Awesome. Okay, and I'm going to ask this question specifically to you, Michael, just for you to think about. When you say the minister or Minister Mkundu's meeting with the public service, is this perhaps not a good time to up the ante in that initial proposal by President Ramaphosa that they're going to be dishing out severance packages for those who are, let's say, who've been in the game for a bit too long and themselves are long in the tooth? Is this not a time for them to be taking those retirement packages for the purposes of at least easing the burden on the state purse and potentially getting these young people in who, first of all, are not going to cost that much, but equally alleviate the kinds of social challenges that the young people particularly are facing when you talk about youth unemployment. Is that perhaps not the time now, COVID-19, an opportunity proper to investigate that question a little bit deeper? Andy Lenomlando, I want you to please think about radical economic transformation how procurement has a role to play because we know now the procurement rules have been suspended by and large and it's emergency procurement potentially therefore abuse but generally speaking how can we use procurement that doesn't have to contemplate all of these hurdles to get money into the hands that ordinarily and usually are outside the main frame economic spaces whereby government can genuinely and ordinarily transact with. Two questions for you, Tabila. I'm coming with another one for you after the break. on SAFM. Hi, My question is, um, currently I'm unemployed and... I have a child who's 18 and he's out of beneficiary from Sasa. There's no income in the house and I'm a chronic person. I was dependent on that 400 rand grant. What is going to happen to people like me who has no help from anyone and a chronic patient with child who are still in school? Can you please, the panel, help? Thank you. My business since the 26th. I've never been able to use PE to my advantage. And whatever I own now, I've worked very hard for it. And now I'm worried because I've never thought in my life, I would go want a loan or I'll be told I would be forced to make a loan. But as I'm sitting here at home, I don't know what to do, Putsundis. What advice uh, put Andile has for a small business that is like me? Because I never believed in loans. Good evening, Songezo and panel. I'm Lister in Umtata. This is directed to Michael. An online application for unemployment benefits does not call for the usual supporting documents. How do they process the application without these documents? Excellent questions. Gentlemen, you all know. Michael, respond please to listen in Tata. Okay, yes. The process has actually been simplified to a large degree. Obviously, you can't hand in any documents because they've closed all the offices, and this is a dire time. They've had to change the system quite a lot. They do have to actually verify it. They can't just hand out money to anyone. They do have to verify it. So the idea is to fill in the forms that they have online, and they will get back to you, hopefully, uh, and tell you if anything's wrong or anything's missing, but you don't have to hand in the paperwork, no. 
Excellent. It's Le- only for the TERS application for the for the three months. Happy days. Let's come to you, Tabile. Uma Muzandile had questions for you, and I think you can respond to that. With her child is older than the age of 18, now 19, let's say, and she also is a chronic patient. No help. Response? Um, I, I think, uh, so the, the, the question that um, the, the, the caller is posing is, 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 is quite similar to the previous one because, uh, as already indicated, um, the presidential announcement indicates that all those who are unemployed, who do not receive any social benefits in terms of grants, would benefit in terms of the 350, and therefore if uh, the caller uh, does not have any uh, social income that she gets uh, within the government state, uh, and and the child who's over 18, they would uh, benefit in terms of the package that's that's, that's been um, put by government. But one thing I just wanted to add, Songhezo, is is, is what my, 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 my panelists from the BLF indicated that it's quite important going forward that we should have a social compact. If we are going to address issues of uh, social inequality, poverty, and exclusion for the majority of South Africans, because if we do not do that, we will then exacerbate the issues of non-transformation that we're still finding ourselves, but also the issue of poverty that still grapples this country uh, after so many years after democracy. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Tabila. Andile, you can wrap up the show, please. We've got just over two minutes to go. Let me first quickly respond to the caller in Cape Town. I think it depends on at what, how difficult things are in his business. He doesn't have to take a loan, but if it's a difficult situation, particularly to pay employees, pay rent, and keep his business afloat, I think he will be forced to go take a loan. But because he's in manufacturing, I think the best institutions would be to take loans from the government support, from the uh, small business department, uh, IDC, and even the TTI. And maybe he can reach out to the BMF, maybe we'll try to assist him. We have an SMME desk there. But the other question that I wanted to deal with, uh, Songhezo, from you, is this issue of radical economic transformation. And procurement. And procurement, particularly in procurement. You see, the problem we're sitting with, Songhez, and I think we must highlight it even now, is that the lack of transformation in the private sector has exacerbated the problem that we're having in our country. The lack of transformation in the private sector and the level of corruption in government are twins. They are two things of the, they are two sides of the same coin. They are the most impactful, most uh, disastrous situations. They are the most negative things that we have had since democracy. Government procurement, for instance, is only, or government expenditure, or the size of the government contribution to our economy is only 25%. So if you are relying on the government procurement opportunities to transform this economy, then it means you are joking. You have to look at the value chain of the private sector. You have to integrate black businesses there, black professionals there. So what we haven't done so far is, and the president of the country, we will pressure him as business and, and particularly BMF and BBC, is that we have to transform the private sector and we must stop corruption from government for us to move forward.
Fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Well, I've got 20 seconds. Bags, very, very quickly, 10 seconds. Public service, is this the time to lay off those who are on the, end, on the other end of the spectrum and introduce new young people? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's been happening in the private sector all the time, right today. Uh, they re- they're retiring people, they're putting packages together, and they're giving them uh, agreements that they can pay off the severance package over a period of months. Government must do it now because it can give the young people a chance to come into the economy. Gentlemen, thank you very, very much. Time flies when you're having fun. This last 60 minutes was all of that. Michael Bagram, Tabile Sokupa, Andy Lenom Lambla, we'll catch you on the other side. Thanks for now. Thank you. Thank you, Michael.